Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Have you ever felt trapped? Totally stuck? I remember one of my earliest memories um, was being trapped inside a Wendy house. I was up the road playing with two of our neighbours, two girls. It was their Wendy house. And I think as part of some game, they thought it would be fun to shut me inside the Wendy house. And I'm sure it was fun for them. But all I can remember is the overwhelming panic, the darkness, the anxiety, the fear and the desperation to fight my way out of there, no matter what it took. It's the way of life that freedom is one of those things that we tend to only really notice when it's gone. I don't know about you, but I desperately miss being able to drive up the motorway and just being able to go and see my parents, (laughs) to be able to hug a friend when you see them, to be able to sit in a coffee shop, to have a youth group in our house, to do all of these things that just a year ago we thought were normal. I think the last year has reminded us uh, how important our freedom is to us and how painful, how difficult um, and how agonising it can be when these bits of freedom are taken away from us. See, freedom is important to us as human beings. Now, last week, Sim and Neil talked to us about the book of Genesis in the Bible and what it had to say about our origins, uh, where we came from and kind of what we are as human beings. Now, today we're moving on to the next book of the Bible, uh, that's Exodus. And we're going to be reflecting in particular about what it has to say about freedom. What is freedom? Why does it matter? And then where do we get freedom? And we're going to cover quite a lot of ground this morning, so bear with me and hold on tight. Um, But if you want to do some of the reading yourself, I'd really recommend after this uh, getting out your Bibles and turning to Exodus. We're going to be covering chapters 1 to 20 this morning, so just a small bit. Um, But have a read of the whole story. It's worth it. And as you're doing that, why not pick up the book that we're studying this series um, by Andrew Ollerton and have a read of what he has to say alongside it. I can really recommend that. So when we ended last week, in the space of one short talk, we'd covered the entire creation of the world, the creation of humanity, humanity living in paradise in the Garden of Eden, life perfect, relationship with God, ideal, amazing. And then at the end of the talk, all of a sudden, it's all broken. Humanity has turned away from God. Our relationship with God is broken. We're cast out of the garden. Creation is shattered along with us. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there. And that's where we pick up today. So generations go on from Adam and Eve. Human beings do what human beings do best. They multiply. And yet again, and again, and again, the same damage plays out that we saw in the Garden of Eden. Eden is lost, relationships are damaged, and the world is still broken. Until one day, God speaks to a very old man called Abraham. Now, Abraham has no children. And God comes to Abraham and tells him that he will have children, even though he's incredibly old. And actually, he tells Abraham that his children and his descendants will become so many, so numerous, that ultimately there will be more of his children than there are stars in the sky. And he says that this family that Abraham's going to have, his descendants, through them, the world will be changed. 
a blessing will come on the world. They will bring the healing that creation needs. Through them, restoration will come. Now, the years pass and Abraham does have children and his children have children and his children's children have children and so on and so on. Story after story. Until in Exodus, we rejoin Abraham's family. They're now a large people group called the Israelites. And the Israelites are in Egypt. They came to Egypt out of desperation and hunger. Their homeland was experiencing a famine and Egypt opened its doors with food aplenty for them to come and settle and survive. Now, initially, they found favour with Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. They started lives. They had families. They settled down and they found relief there. But that Pharaoh died and a new one took his place, one who didn't like this people who'd moved into Egypt, one who saw them taking advantage of his country, one who feared them as a threat. And so to protect Egypt, to protect himself, he turned the Israelites into slaves. For 400 years, the people of Abraham's family, the Israelites, suffered under the hand of Egypt's pharaohs. They had everything stripped away from them. They were brutalised as slaves. They were made to do backbreaking work. Their dignity was stripped away. Their safety was stolen. And ultimately, at the point we join our story, their children were slaughtered. This is a people who knew what it was to lose their freedom. A people who knew what it was to desperately thirst for a better life, a free life. A people who cried out in agony at the reality of their lives. Now, for most of us, <laughs> the reality of our lives is, is not quite that loss of freedom, not quite that story for us. But let's not forget that today there are more people living in slavery right now than there have ever been in the entire history of our planet. 40 million people living the experience of the Israelites. But actually, while that's not our reality, for many of us, we do know what it is to not live freely. For some of us, the chains that bind us are financial. They're debts that cripple our minds. They've crept up on us and they consume our every waking moment. For others, it's our mental or emotional health. Perhaps it's anxiety that cripples our social interactions or depression that binds us to our beds. For others, it's an addiction, the porn that, frankly, we're not even sure we want to watch anymore. We just don't seem to be able to stop. Or the alcohol that gets us through the day, but the next day the bottles are there staring at us and just doesn't quite seem okay. Or maybe it's just a complete overwhelming drive for something more, for that bigger house and that bigger garden. If we could just have that, then life would be manageable. Or that next promotion, then we'd be okay. If that bit more money could come in, then everything would be all right. Most of us walk around with a chain or two clanking on our ankles. Exodus tells us that it doesn't have to be that way. Maybe there's something different to discover. A different life could be possible. So here is the first word of hope that Exodus has to say about freedom. Freedom comes alive in the presence of God. Into the enslaved people of the Israelites, a baby boy is born. His name is Moses. And in a series of incredibly courageous acts, a series of women 
midwives, Moses' mother, Moses' sister Miriam, and even Pharaoh's daughter. They courageously act to keep him alive in the face of a decree that all baby boys born to the Israelites should be killed. Moses is saved through these women's courage and he grows up into a man. Now, he ultimately ends up running away from Egypt and going into hiding um, in a land called Midian until one day he is tending some sheep in the desert and he looks up and he sees a bush. Not very surprising. There are bushes in the desert and this bush is on fire. Again, on some levels, not very surprising. It's quite hot. But this bush that is on fire is burning, but it's not being consumed by the flames. The flames are on it and in it and around it, but it's not turning into ash. And so Moses goes closer to try to investigate what it is. And as he draws closer, he discovers that he is standing in the presence of God himself. See, the bush is the presence of God come down from heaven to be revealed to Moses to call him back out of hiding, away from Midian, back to Egypt, to bring freedom to the Israelites. Now we know from the acts of the women who saved Moses that the Israelites in their own way, in what ways were possible to them, were fighting for their freedom, desperately trying to reclaim ownership of their lives, but they can't free themselves alone. The moment that freedom becomes a real living possibility for the Israelites is the moment that Moses stands barefoot before the burning bush. Now, there are a lot of great decisions that we can take for ourselves when it comes to finding freedom in our lives. If we're struggling with anxiety, we might try running or mindfulness. If we're struggling with addiction, we can try accountability or therapy. If we're struggling with debt, we can reach out to debt counselling places like CAP. And these things are good, effective, they matter and they're important. But there's something about when the presence of God arrives on the scene that transforms these things from effort-filled attempts to free ourselves to true release and freedom. Deep, holistic, lasting freedom from all the things that bind us. That's what happens when God arrives on the scene. That's what happens when we invite him in. See, just as in Eden, life entered the dry bones of Adam and Eve when God breathed into them. In the same way, freedom comes alive when God breathes into it. Now, we're going to hear now from Finney. Finney has a story of his own of what happened to him when God's presence came, the freedom that he discovered when God came into his life. I was a drug dealer. I was suffered from uh, mental health issues. I was dealing in um, uh, cannabis and amphetamines mainly. Um, and what I was making, I was using drug dispute with a fellow drug dealer um, that led to quite a serious offence. I was almost charged with attempted murder. Miraculously, they dropped the charges to aggravated burglary and threats to kill. As I was remanded into um, HMP Exeter, I was put into my cell, which was nothing new, nothing unusual. It was something that I'd been used to uh, time and time before. But for this time round, there was something different that I noticed in that prison cell and it was the Bible. 
as I open this Bible that I feel unusually drawn to, I feel God saying, if you want to know more about my truth, you need to start living and speaking truth. If you can imagine a man wrapped in, wrapped in chains, that was me when I was in my prison cell all those years ago. I didn't have to be in prison to be a prisoner. I was a prisoner on the outside wrapped in all those chains of addiction, of mental health disorders. And the only thing that's changed my life outside of the prison system is the Word of God, is the Bible. So every now and then I'd be in my prison cell and I'd, I'd read a scripture and ching, one of those chains, would, one of those padlocks would just fall off and that chain would feel a little bit looser. And then a couple of days later, I'd be reading something else, somewhere else in the Bible. And ching, another padlock would fall off and that chain would feel a little bit looser until the point where my four years were up and I was walking out the doors of HMP High Point. And I was really walking out a free man because those chains were gone. But the only thing that's changed my life from what it was to what it is now is the Word of God. Freedom comes alive in the presence of God. Now, the story of Exodus tells us that under God's leading, Moses returned to Egypt and he demanded the release of the Israelites. Now, Pharaoh was not keen on that idea at all. And if you've uh, seen The Prince of Egypt, the film, thoroughly recommend it, then you know what happens next. God sent plagues, plague after plague after plague on Egypt specifically designed each one to prove to Pharaoh that he and his gods, his idols, were not big enough to beat Yahweh, the one true God. Again, these plagues hit and hit and hit until at last Pharaoh can bear it no more and he demands that the Israelites get out of Egypt. They run from Egypt. They miraculously walk through the middle of the Red Sea, which God has split before them, escaping the clutches of Pharaoh and his chariots. The Israelites are free. They are slaves no more. But what now? I wonder what plans you have uh, for when and if the world finally goes back to some kind of normal after this COVID craziness, or even what your plans are for when this lockdown ends, when you're no longer trapped at home in the nightmare of homeschooling, when you're allowed to leave the house more than once a day, what are the things that you would do with your time? I remember um, at the end of the first lockdown last year, I remember that first moment, that first day that I had the house to myself. The kids were gone, my husband was out. It was blissful space and it was utterly overwhelming. I had no idea what to do with myself. After all that time of frantically being overwhelmed by taking care of my children and being stuck in the house, suddenly with all this freedom, I just didn't know where to start. See, the Israelites had been slaves for more than 400 years. They'd lived without freedom, without choices, without options, without possessions. They had nothing. And then suddenly, here they are. They're not in Egypt. They're not slaves. What on earth should they do now? And so Moses leads them, in his wisdom, to the only place they could possibly go to the, get answers. He takes them back to Midian, 
back to Horeb, back to the mountain of the Lord, back to where the burning bush had stood, back to where the presence of God was. And here they learn an important truth, that we are not only given freedom from something, we are given freedom for something. As Moses and the Israelites approach this mountain, once again, God comes down in person to meet with his people. And at the very start of their freedom, he comes to help them understand what freedom means. It's not just living somewhere other than Egypt. It's not just having Pharaoh off their back. Freedom has content. He paints them a picture of the shape of their freedom. He describes to them what it will look like to live in freedom. He describes to them the values of freedom. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He says this, want to be free, he says, then remember who I am and who I am to you. Remember that I am God and that you are my people. Don't let yourselves fall under someone else's power again. Keep me in charge. See, you've known what it is to work relentlessly without break, to be overwhelmed, to be slaves. Let me remind you what it's like to rest. Let me remind you how you were created. You were created to rest, to breathe, to enjoy, to delight. So take a day every week, a whole day, and just do that. Remember how you were created. Now, to me, family matters. It's important. Protect it. Honour it. Life matters. Protect it. Loyalty and faithfulness matter. Live them. Contentment and safety matter. Don't abuse them. Honesty matters. Speak well. Contentedness matters. Fight for it. Live like this and you will know freedom and you will create freedom, God says to them. See, in our culture, to be free is to be unshackled. It's to be allowed to do what I want when I want, to be in charge, to get my individual wants, desires and needs met, to self-actualize myself. No one is in charge but me. In technical terms, that's called expressive individualism. Dr. Andrew Ollerton describes it like this. Discovering my inner self is the key to happiness. I need to throw off all constraint and just follow my heart. When I'm free to be myself, then life will have meaning and fulfillment. But see, the Bible says something different. The Bible says that you were created by a God who knows you who understands you. You were created with a shape, with a purpose, within a community, within a world, within a system, that there's a shape, a rhythm and values that if you live in them and the boundaries of them, then you will discover freedom. See, I like to think that culture's expressive individualism is a bit like what might happen if I let my two daughters loose with a huge pile of chocolate and said to them, Eat as much as you like. It's, it's all up to you. This is yours. And they would go to town. They would absolutely stuff their faces with chocolate. It would be delightful for them for a short while. They would eat and eat and eat. But after a while, I think something else would start to happen. 
they'd start to feel quite sick, a bit bloated, quite unwell, because no matter what they want, no matter what I've given them permission to do, there's just no escaping their biology, how they were created, because how they were created says that sooner or later, 12 bars of chocolate in, you're going to be sick. And I think that's the kind of freedom that the Bible tells us about. It tells us that we are created beings. We were created with a shape, with a purpose, created together in a community. And the creator knows what it looks like for us to live freely and fully within our createdness. The Bible says that just like the Israelites, we are freed from slavery, but we are freed for something new, not just for our own privilege or self-actualization, but we are freed for Eden. We are freed to rediscover and to recreate that paradise that was lost last week. We are freed to be totally and fully human as we were created to be. And we were freed for relationship with God and with one another. We were created for rest. We were created for contentment and enjoyment, not just for acquisition. And we were created to steward creation, not just to consume it and dominate it. See, when God calls us out of slavery, he calls us into the way of life that we were made for. And finally, freedom is the final word. Now, you would hope that the Israelites, having been freed from Egypt, receiving this vision from God of their freedom uh, and going on to live their lives, that, that it might be happily ever after from here, that it's all on the up, that, that it's all going to go really well. Unfortunately, that's not really how it plays out. See, no matter how the Israelites tried or how hard their leaders tried, they just don't seem to manage to live the freedom that God has offered them. They build idols, they ignore God, and they're conquered again and again and again by neighbouring nations. Again and again, they send themselves back into slavery. There's a pattern there that I recognise. I wonder if it's familiar to you that that moment you think you've broken that power of um, anxiety over your life. You think you finally cracked it with the mindfulness. And then two weeks later, you're struggling with it again. Or you think you finally got rid of that addiction only a month down the line to realise you've been doing the exact same things over and over again. Sometimes it can feel impossible to live the freedom that we were created for. But do you remember that promise right at the beginning to Abraham? It was a promise that through Abraham's family, through his descendants, freedom and blessing would come to the world. See, the Bible goes on from here. And eventually, centuries later, another baby boy is born into Abraham's family. Another baby boy is rescued from an oppressive regime who wants him dead by the tenacity of his parents. Another baby boy grows to become a man. And another man demands freedom for his people. His name is Jesus. Jesus said this to his followers. If the sun sets you free, if I set you free, you will be free indeed. God brought the Israelites out of slavery and into Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land. But still they found their freedom hard to achieve. And, you know, God wasn't surprised because the plan never ended at exiting 
Egypt. God knew that there would always need to be a stable. There would always need to be a cross, a tomb and a throne. God, Jesus, came to earth to live, to die and to rise again, to bring freedom, not just to the Israelites, but to all of us. And not just from Egypt, but from all the things that bind us, from the debt, the addictions, the anxiety, from prejudice, unjust structures, from envy, from malice, from spite, and ultimately even from death itself. And the freedom that he's won from us, for us doesn't depend on our own effort. And it cannot be taken away from us. We get to taste its reality here on earth now and then live its fullness in eternity with God. The freedom promises that were spoken to Abraham, enacted by Moses, were fulfilled in Jesus. We are a freedom people. Now, for some of us, we already have experiences of this freedom. Like Finney, we have our own stories of how our lives have been transformed by the discovery of this freedom. And if that's us today, then let Exodus call us to let that freedom bring freedom to others. Let's follow in the steps of Moses, walking with God into the strongholds of oppression to bring people out. Whether that looks like praying like working alongside CAP, whether that looks like fighting to bring down unjust structures, or even whether that looks like sitting quietly beside our depressed friend, just so that they know they are not abandoned and not alone. Let's be a people who bring freedom. Let's be bearers of freedom to a captive world. But some of us today are only just daring to dream that freedom might even be real, that freedom might even be possible. We are worn down, oppressed, agonised by the weight of our chains. Chains sometimes of our own making, sometimes of external structures, chains of injustice, chains that burn and break us. We are gasping for something to change and someone to help. And so I want to take us right back to the start of the Exodus story. In Exodus 2, it tells the story of the Israelites in slavery. Their bodies are broken by hard labour. Their hearts are broken by the slaughter of their sons. And it says this, it says, the Israelites groaned under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. And God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant promise to Abraham. He looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. God heard, God remembered, and God acted. God hears your groans. He sees you, he knows you, and he has acted already. He has sent Jesus to live, to die and to live again so that you may know real freedom from these things that you fight. And he will act again. He wants you to have freedom from these things. He wants you to live the life that you were created for. 
See, God's desire for you is not just that you would be free from the things that bind you, but for the life that he created you for. And his word on freedom is final. And his freedom comes alive in his presence. So as we close, I want to invite you to come with me now into that presence. There is a God who loves you, who fights for you, and who longs to break off every chain that you bear. If you would come with me and meet with him today. So we're going to pray. Um, I just want to invite you to close your eyes wherever you are um, and take a moment to pray with me. And let freedom enter in. God of freedom, we come before you today bearing chains that burn. We are tired, so tired of the weight that we carry. We are desperate, so desperate to be free. Please come and meet with us, release us. Lord, breathe your life into our freedom. Make our lives new. Lead us into freedom, into the life that you created us for. We know you can do it. You have done it before. God, may you do it again. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.